Good morning, RCC family. Good morning to those gathered in their living rooms, those in bed in their pajamas, or out on a walk, however you've chosen to join us today. We're happy that you're with us. And although we are all separated this morning, we are gathered together under one Father, one Son, and one Spirit. Just wanted to let you guys know and remind you of the uncertainty that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved by God. This morning's lectionary reading is from Psalm 23, and it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. We're going to move into prayer before we move into worship. So if you can bow your heads wherever you are. Father God, we love your presence, and we invite it here in this space, here in our homes, in our room, or wherever we're listening. God, you are God who sees us. And so, Lord, I just pray that your presence draws near and that you make your presence known to your people this morning. Thank you that you are in control despite all of the chaos that we see, Lord. Thank you that you are a God that loves us and is attentive and attuned to our needs. We pray for our church family and the ways that they are working through this. We pray for our community and our leaders and our government. Lord, please bring, please bring direction. Please bring guidance. Bring healing, Lord, to those who need it, and bring peace to those who are anxious. We love you, and we love your presence. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so um, I want to invite everybody to um, partake in prayers of the people with me this morning. I know uh, many of you probably have kids running around, and uh, it may be difficult to engage in prayer this uh, morning, but we're going we're gonna to pray, and maybe some things you can latch on to and pray during this week. Um, as Mariah said earlier, the psalm this week in the lectionary is Psalm 23, and it says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So God, this morning we're praying for the universal church, its members, and its mission. God, we are united in our suffering and in the spirit of Christ today, and so God, we join together all around the world as we pray for the needs of this world, of the, of the needs of this community, God, of those sitting in their homes today. God, we are thankful for the body of Christ, God, for those um, even here today helping us uh, with our technology, God, the churches gathering all around electronically, and God, we thank you that we are gathered and united in that. God, for all of our Smyrna churches that are surrounding us um, in meeting, God, we pray, uh, God, that they might have good welfare, God, that you would move in the living rooms and in the midst of the people. Even though we walk in a dark valley, you are with us, God. For our world and all those in it, God, for all of those people, God, that are sick right now with the coronavirus, not just here in America, God, but those gathered all around the world that are sick, God, we pray that you would bring them to wholeness, God, that they would begin to have their bodies restored, God, that you would do that. God, we pray for political leaders, God, for President Trump, God, for Governor Kemp, God, for Mayor Norton, 
God, for all the leaders all around the world, governing bodies, trying to make decisions that are tough. God, that they would have wisdom to do what is best for all. Even though we walk in a dark valley, God, you are with us. For the welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County, God, we pray for the unemployed. God, all of those affected by businesses shutting down. God, for small business owners, God, that you would begin to provide financially and raise up us as a community to be the hands and feet of Christ. God, for the students and families, God, those that are learning at home, God, that you would give parents patience and discipline and the students as well. God, for all of our healthcare workers, God, that you would protect them, God, that their bodies would be able to sustain um, interaction with the virus, God, that you would um, be able to give the doctors wisdom as vaccines and treatments are being created. God, we pray for any of the people in Smyrna and Cobb County that are food hungry, for the students uh, that are lacking meal support, God, that you would um, raise up your body to meet these needs, God. We're thankful for what's being done in Must Ministry and with the city. And we pray that you would bring volunteers and resources to those students. Even though we walk in a dark valley, God, you are with us. For the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it, God, we pray specifically for the, the vulnerable people in our community, God, those who are older, God, those with autoimmune disorders, God, that you would protect people, God, that you would give wisdom to those around our vulnerable people, God, to, to sanitize their hands and wash their hands, God, that they would be keep to social distancing, God, God, that you would give us wisdom, God, for those at Smyrna Towers, God, and all those living there, God, those in our community and the friends of them, God, that you would protect them. God, we pray for Ann Bennett's health. She's been struggling. God, we pray that you would restore her health. God, we thank you for all of us who are healthy, God, for the, our families and community, and God, that your spirit is with us. God, we rejoice with the walkers as they uh, inviting their new baby into their home. God, Jude, we thank you for new life, and we're so excited to welcome him and see him soon. God, may we be a testament to this world that you are good despite these sufferings and present trials, for even though we walk in a dark valley, you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to take offering together. You won't be able to read with me, but I will read the offering prayer. Uh, reminder that you can give online still. Good and faithful God, we bring our tithes and offerings to you this morning as part of our act of praise. The psalmist reminds us that you have filled our cup to overflowing, and we are convicted by the image that perhaps we have only offered to you what spills out of our full cup. In your grace and love, let us see it instead that your love and blessing will not be contained in any vessel but will always overflow to reach and bless others. May we not only see it this way, but may we live it in the lives of generosity. In the name of Christ, who gave all and held nothing back. Amen. So, hey, River City family. Um, Extremely awkward, odd situation we're in, but I'm glad that we have this space to do it in nonetheless. I'm going to give you some announcements for this week. We're trying to keep you guys really updated with everything that's going on. The first thing is we ask that you guys follow along and comply with what the CDC is recommending. And as you know, nobody gathering in groups of more than 10 and kind of um, keeping that space, a space where we honor people. We're not walking in a space of fear. That's not what this is about. 
This is about honoring and loving our neighbors well, and there are people who are more susceptible. So we just ask that you guys would comply as we travel through this season. What we're going to do as a church is take one week at a time while trying to plan for the next season if it is longer. And so you're going to want to stay really informed with all of our social media feeds, with any of our weekly emails, and those are big ways for you to connect. So if you don't have access to the weekly email, we will attach on this live feed happening right now the place that you can email and we can get you to it. There's also a prayer wall on Facebook, which we would love to have you guys a part of. The prayer wall is extremely communicative, and it's probably our most active form of connection as a body. We're praying daily, we're informed daily, and we ask that you guys would jump onto that as well. You can also email um, the email listed in the notes today. A couple updates about groups. Of course, you already know we're not going to be meeting together as groups. We've taken all of our groups virtual. We started those last week. All of the leaders of the groups will be able to contact you and share with you how to do that. Um, We also know that because of this season and the loneliness that could surface, we're going to reopen our groups and give people the opportunity to jump back into those. There's limited space in some, and if there's a surplus of people that would like to be connected more communally, we'll create new virtual groups, and we'll supply hosts for those groups. So please sign up. Send an email to Jessica. That will also be in the link today. Um, Your giving can be done at our main website, and it'll also be in our social media feeds. That's important in this season, but it's not more important than noticing the needs around you. We're also coming up with creative ways to create a bucket of money that can be used to help people within our body and that we know that are about to go through a hard time. We're not asking that on anybody, but we just want to be prepared for that. So keep a lookout for those as well. The worship team will be producing on Instagram a live worship set every night, and you guys can be a part of it. That will start on Monday night, and there will be more info sent out in the next couple of days for you guys to be able to interact with that. Um, The last thing is we're going to try and produce a kind of a guide for your families to walk through the content from either the sermon or the things we're jumping into that week. And we'll make sure you guys have that for after the sermon on Sundays and for the week so that you guys can, as a family, jump into it. Um, I'm going to pray, and you guys can pray with me. Father, as as we as a body learn to navigate these times, I have this sense within me that you're equipping us in a season we didn't anticipate or prepare for. I have this deep kind of sensation that you are leading us into this space to be a non-anxious present and then also be a people that continue to tell the stories of God, to sing the songs of God, to notice those who are in need and in valleys, and to step into those people's lives. As we go into this passage today and as we as a body break bread together through the word, I pray that we would leave similarly as the woman at the well in John chapter 4 left, that we would be full in a deeper place. We would be full at an inner space, so much so that we don't even recognize the hunger that we brought to it because you're sustaining us and you're with us, but not so much so that we forget about those around us this week. Open our eyes, Jesus, to see the things that we need to see. To not act like they're not there, but to be participants and co-laborers with you as we step into people's valleys with them in whatever creative way you lead us to do that. In Jesus' holy name, we pray. It is a strange season for us moving forward, especially because just in a few weeks, we have Easter. 
And in this season, we're all navigating and drawing towards, and if you're practicing Lent, you've been fasting things and kind of creating this anticipation, and now we're kind of in a much truer Lent than we were even weeks ago. We're literally reaching forward to Easter, asking God to come right now as a community. I sense his leading with us along this path. I sense that he's trying to help us navigate it faithfully as the body of Christ. So I'm going to ask you a question that you can interact with your family over breakfast or whatever you're doing. What has your new normal become? What are the things that are pressing in on you right now? What are you noticing? What are you seeing? What are you experiencing when you walk out your front door? What are the conversations that you're having with people that are your neighbors or even your kids or your spouse or your family over the phone? What is surfacing? We did our first virtual group this past week. I actually loved it. We gathered with 12 to 15 people and we heard stories from people. We asked just a simple question. I think it's good for all of us to ask, how is this season impacting you? And some of the people within our life group said, it's actually become kind of a respite, a place of rest. And some people said they sense God's presence like they haven't before. Some people said they felt like this season is almost like an imposed Sabbath, something that we've prayed for for years and now we have a space to do it. Some people said they are sitting with their families for the first time. And I noticed that it's really good to celebrate those things, even when we need to recognize the harder things. But someone in our group actually works with the nursing home system, is over 17 nursing homes and helping to staff those. And when she began to talk to us in our life group, it got all of our attention. Not because we don't believe God is not good, we know God is good, but because we were hearing a story of someone actively in a valley and in a darker place, and we had to ask ourselves, how can we be a part of this? They were sharing the stories about how it's hard to find workers to step into the nursing homes and how it's In the nursing homes right now, they're by themselves in their rooms, quarantined off. They can't actually interact with one another or do the activities that they rely on for social interaction daily. They're in their rooms by themselves. Some of them don't have access to YouTube, Premiere, or Facebook. Some of them can't have conversations with people. And we were very aware in that moment of the realities that this is producing for us. And we had to ask ourselves the question, how how am I supposed to be present in this? Like, What a gift for someone to share with us how we can be present. And it looks different now. But I think what's happening in this season is it's pressing into what I would call our trust structures. We've been talking about this uh, content we've been loving from Practicing the Way, and we've been sharing it in our groups. And there's one of the things that that are talked about is this idea of um, the stages of development and this idea of... um, of growing as a Christian and how throughout history they've tried to bucket ways to be able to say how, how people grow and what they grow into and what, what things help them through and how to listen to the invitations of the Spirit in those seasons. And in one particular way called the three ways is one that we've talked about a few times in the past week. It talks about how as Christians we grow through these understandings of how sin impacts us. And typically at first, The first sin that we deal with are the gross sins. Those aren't necessarily like, ooh, that's gross, but like the big ones. These are things you hear testimonies about. And then when we're comfortable enough to kind of transition into the next space, we move into what's called conscious sins. And these are the sins that impact the world that we are a part of, but that maybe in a lot of ways are accepted and 
And then we move past those into unconscious sins. This is where it starts to go inward, and we start to have to deal with the things that are inside of us, which actually motivate the first two layers of those sins. These are the things that, this is the situation where you've said you forgive someone, but in your heart you're not really forgiving them. And then the last of those was the trust structures. And these are things that actually look acceptable to a lot of people. These can be things that people actually celebrate. It can be your position, your status. It can be your stocks and your bonds. It can be your spouse even in some unhealthy ways. It can be what you place your trust in that can take the space of God. In a season like this, this is what is being bumped into. This is what we're having to look at. This is what's pressing in around us. Our trust structures are being shuffled. And we're being invited, invited by Jesus to look at these things differently. And he's asking to be with us. But I don't get the sense that he's angry with us. I don't get the sense that he's angry. I get the sense that there's an invitation from him that's being produced by the season that wouldn't happen otherwise. And I get the sense that the invitation is allow me to be in this with you. Allow me into this space with you. And so right before I read you Psalm 23, this song was an actual song of confidence meant to build a deeper union with God and the writer. And it's spoken from the point that it already happened, even though it hasn't already happened. So it's spoken with confidence. One of my seminary professors actually posted a prayer this morning that he actually prays before he teaches his Greek class. And I felt like it was applicable to what we're about to read in the Word, so I'm going to read it as a prayer as we jump into this. Creator of all language and first speaker, though you are infinite, we are finite. You have granted us the capacity to interpret and misinterpret. You have given us the ability to create and to destroy with our words. Help us to use this gift of language faithfully, to know and to love each other. With humility, we seek to understand your loving and holy words recorded in these scriptures. As we study the Greek, and even us today, as we study our versions of this text, may you fill us with gratitude, love, curiosity, and awe. And that was from Dr. Robbie Waddell. So if you guys want to open up to Psalm 23 in your homes, if you want to pull it up, I'm going to read it to you now. This is a Psalm of David. We've all heard it so many times. Many of you have heard it at funerals. Many of you have heard it in dark situations. You're hearing it this week, not because we selected it, but because it's a part of the election for this week, and I just think it's fitting, and I think it's by the Spirit's power that we're receiving it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But just to start, it starts with an emphasis on who's leading. And who's leading in this text is the shepherd. And really interestingly, just like any good Middle Eastern shepherd would have in this season, the shepherd leads to green pastures or food, by still waters or drink, and along paths for protection. It's almost as if a way to say this would be saying, it's me who is in charge of keeping you alive. This shepherd is in control, not the rider is in control. 
your food, your drink, your protection. That's up to me. And it's moving into a, a space where we have to look at what we're wanting and what we're needing. And so what's being said here is that what you need will be provided for. And I think we just need to settle into that. As he is our shepherd as well, what you need will be provided for. We are in a space right now in our culture where we don't even necessarily know how to discuss our wants versus our needs. We have so much surplus of want that we have access to at all times. It takes a season like this to show us what truly is important. But there's a step made in this passage even beyond what a normal shepherd would do, and that's where it says that he restores the soul. This is not something that a normal Middle Eastern shepherd would do for a sheep. This is something that a Jesus would do for his flock. He moves beyond those in the natural realm into the things of the deeper spaces. And I think this is what the passage intention is. We've been put in a space, even us, where we are questioning if our needs will be taken care of. Many of us are afraid. And Jesus' words to us and to this writer and through this writer are, I'm working in a deeper place in you. I'm creating a space inside of you that I haven't been able to access up to this point. So maybe one of the gifts in this text is the space that he's in is creating a need and a want for something that is actually more sustaining. And the next move is a very peculiar move. It goes from a loving shepherd who is taking care of his sheep to the valley of death. And in the text, in different versions, Bill, you can go ahead and pull this up for me to be able to read. I know you guys can't read this at home, but there's a few different variations of how this can be described. It can be the valley of the shadow of death. It can be the darkest valley. It can be the valley of extreme darkness. It can be thought of as the place of our deepest fears and troubles or the place where we think no one will accompany us. But it says that in that space, whether it's a real space or a metaphorical space, or one we're entering into as a society right now. In that space, you are with me. And notice that while in that space, his first move isn't to figure out how to get the rider out of that space. He's not popping in to drag out. He's stepping into the space and then locking arms with and going through the space. So now what's happening is it's not the darkness that's changing or the valley that's changing. It's the people that are in it that are changing. He's looking directly into the darkness, and the darkness isn't causing him to fear. And he's locking arms with those who are in it and saying, I know that you probably want to go this way, but we're going this way. And he leads them through it for his namesake. It's beautiful. It kind of reminds me of what it is to be a real friend. And when I was just starting out in ministry, I had to be a chaplain at Erlanger Hospital, which was a part of the seminary curriculum that I had to do. And it was, it was extremely odd for me, non-social, a lot of times just non-verbal. I, my presence at, at that stage of my life was very, I wanted to be left alone. And so they asked me to go be a chaplain, and it was a chaplain at a high-level trauma hospital. And what they would do is you would gather in the mornings, and then they would tell you the rooms you would visit, and you would go visit the rooms, and they would be situations where people would be passing away soon. And I would go into those situations, and I, I didn't necessarily feel the overwhelming presence of Jesus guiding me into those spots. I felt an extreme sense of who I was and how awkward I felt to be in those spaces. It was, for me, a lot of times hard to look people in the eye because I knew what they were dealing with, 
And I felt insecure and like I was ill-equipped to be with them. But this passage reminds us of what a true friend is and what it isn't. I think a lot of people would say, in Christianity especially, that there's a version of a way to do this that alleviates any troubling times or any suffering, which is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? The suffering service servant. But it talks about a friend and how his presence would be someone who is able to actually step into, into things with you. It's the friend that shows up to be with you that doesn't pat you on the back and, and say, it's fine, buddy. It's fine. It's going to be okay. That's a little bit like the guy who shows up. It's not able to look you in the eyes, pat you on on the back and then takes off and you, it feels hollow and like it's unsustainable. And it's different when a friend actually steps into it and says, I see the darkness. I'm able to name it with you. This is specifically happening. I'm not making you feel awful about that it's happening. I noticed that it's happening and now I'm jumping into it with you. This is friendship. This is kinship. And this is what I believe he's showing us in this passage is that he's willing to go into the darkness with us while we want to go out and somehow use the darkness to help us go deeper into union with God. Somehow use the darkness to help us realize what are our needs and our wants. What do I actually need in this season? What are my trust structures? What am I saying? This is my hope. What, what previous hopes are now being stripped away? And this is the gift of a season like this, is those things are being taken away from a lot of us, right? And over the next few weeks, we'll th- see things that we can fear- be fearful about. We- we'll see things that we are upset about. But we'll be able to look much more clearly and much more specifically at a shepherd who is present with us. Yahweh, right? Emmanuel, God in flesh, in person, now with us in spirit. We'll be able to distinguish previous loves with our first love. So if there, if there needs to be a shaking for us, And don't hear me say that I believe God is causing this to happen. That's not what I'm speaking. I'm saying he knows how to use these situations to draw out the good things that need to be seen. And what if, like what if through all of this, we actually step deeper into the life of God and become the body that we've always desired to be? What if, as we've talked about being the light on a hill or being hope in a world, what if our message starts to be something that people actually want to fall in love with? What if we quit fighting about meaningless things and slight differences, and we start to follow after Jesus who's with us in this season. I cannot remember a time in my life where every person I knew was collectively walking through a dark valley. Every person. There are seasons where this family is, and we pop in, and we love them well, and we pop out because it's not our struggle. We are all walking through the same valley. So we have to ask the questions, Why is he bringing us into this space? What's he going to do in this space? And what are the invitations of the Spirit in this space? In Psalm 23, I get the sense that the shepherd has seen it all. He is not surprised. He is not worried. He is not afraid. He is resolved. It's a little bit like in Luke, a little bit like in Psalm 139, 11 and 12. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me at night Even the darkness is not dark to you. The dark is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. He's in this situation with us, and the darkness is not dark to him. So we have to see this through his lens, and to see it through his lens, we have to be with him. We have to see that he is present with us, walking us through this. In the very next scene, we see this metaphor shift from a shepherd to a host. And now you're at the Lord's table. 
And interestingly enough, at the Lord's table, yes, it talks about we are going to be given drink and food and even one portion where we're anointed on our forehead, but it also lists the presence of our enemies. And you can label an enemy however you want, but I'd like to say that it's, it's like a threat. It's like being in the presence of something that is threatening, that has power to possibly harm. This is the scene that's set by the writer through the shepherd now moving to host. And I think what they're saying is it's in the presence. And this is me maybe jumping, so it's in the presence of these kinds of things where we recognize the overflowing love of a shepherd host father who would fill our cups so full that they overflow. In other words, it's like, I don't think there's limit to what he's going to give us in this space. I don't think that necessarily looks like physical things, practical things. I think it looks like spirit things in the depth of us. But I think the only limit to what we're going to receive is our limits that we impose upon him. It's a cup, right, that's being so filled that it starts to overflow. The cup is the only thing keeping that from happening. If it were bigger, maybe. So maybe our prayer in this season can be, God, stretch our hearts to such a space that we can be filled so fully by you, so much by you, God, that people can recognize our love for you, right? It's in the presence of these enemies that the abundance overflows without limit. And it then just becomes, how much do we want to receive? Don't hear me saying there that we pray a prayer about what should happen, and it happens. This psalm is about a shepherd stepping into the darkness and walking through it. And the truer, deeper union gift is the depth of a heart, of a writer, into a community, into the New Testament church, into River City Church, finding communion with a father who is so very present. He's not out there, he's not near, he's with and in. And that's what this season is gifting us with a way to see that more clearly than we ever have. But then in this next picture, in the last passage of this text, it says that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And at first when I read that, I was like, yeah, that's a clever statement. I've seen it. I've heard it so many times. But if you read any of the other Psalms, you know that the only time there are mentions of things that follow, it's particularly and mostly enemies following somebody who is standing in the space for God. So the word for follow is actually, well, this will be on your notes. It's radaf. It's the Hebrew word follow. And it also means to pursue, to chase, or to persecute, which is saying that the only true fear, the only true threat for this person walking through this with God is the threat of goodness and mercy pursuing you which doesn't really make sense. He kind of turns it, it's a play on where he turns it on its head and says, this person walking with God in union, allowing God to be present in the darkness through it, their truest fear is how much goodness and mercy is going to chase them. It's, it's intended to make you step back and think, this pursuit, right, this pursuit is bigger than I can get away from. This pursuit of a loving father is coming whether I desire it or not. This pursuit is one, he's not angry, he's coming into the situation, he's leaning into the stresses, he's getting into the dark spaces, he's locking arms with us and saying, my goodness and mercy are going to overflow your cups. It won't look like name it and claim it gospel. That's not what this is. It will look like the truest gift, the presence of a father through Jesus 
and the Spirit of God being present with His people in the midst of His people. So in Psalm 23, it's about finding union with God in such a way that you discover that it brings healing, and then that healing spills through us to those around us. This is not a season for us to sit back and drink deeply of God and close our doors and forget about the world. This is not a season to just talk about Abba Father and how much he loves me. Yes, he does, and it's important. This is a season for the body of Christ to step into the seat of the body of Christ. We do that with wisdom. We don't, we don't treat rash selfishness like that is the boldness of God. Like a gathering is defying the culture. That's not, that's not the gospel of Jesus. If anything, Jesus is with the least of these today. He's in the hospitals. He's in the nursing homes. He's not asking us to defy culture by being even more, we're going to do this. He's asking us to lean into his presence and take the cues from the power of the Spirit and say yes to those moments as they surface. One of my favorite things about this passage, and I'll close soon, I literally have no idea how long I've been talking because there's nobody looking at me, and that's okay. So we're going to work through it, but if this has been an hour, it has felt like nothing. Amen and amen. So my favorite part about this psalm is there's almost this move by the end of the psalm where the, the writer stops to write about God and he, it's like he stops writing and realizes in the writing he was actually in a conversation with God. And it becomes this moment where he starts to interact with God and forgets about the writing. It's almost like there's a song that starts to build in him when he's being reminded while in the valley before he sees it happen that this is the God he's talking about. This is the God he can sing about. This is the God that I'm not writing anymore. I'm just talking to you. And I'm going to focus on you right now. It's this idea of a song coming from a place in our heart. Not because he needed to defend God. Like he's not defending God. He's singing a testimony about his God. And if you'd like to listen to it, please do. And if you'd not like to listen to it, you're free to not listen to it. So for us, as we move into whatever these weeks hold for us, right? Like, Whatever fears try and step in, whatever evils we can name, right? Whatever the season is, we have got, we have got, we have to 100% lean into the presence of Jesus through the power of the Spirit. We have to sense that he is with us, that that reality is much stronger than these other physical realities. We have got to lean into that. We have to sing the songs of Jesus. We have to sing the songs of the stories of what he's doing. We have to share those stories with our kids, with our families, with our friends. Learn how to use Facebook Live, right? Like learn how to slow down. Call someone. Sing in your yard. Tell the stories of God. These are the seasons where the people of God sing the stories of God and it sustains. That's what we're here for. We share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the testimony and through his word, right? So sing the songs, share the stories. It's also a season to see who is in a valley. And dear Jesus, help us to follow your prompts here in this passage. You are asking us most certainly to step into those valleys with people because true kinship happens when we look someone in the eye and we say, we see you, we know this is hard. We don't have to pretend like it's not there, right? But we do get to claim the reality and the truth that you are bigger and broader than these fears right now. 
and what may come for all of us, we know that, Jesus, you are true, you are real, you are with us, your presence is sustaining, and that you are doing a deeper work, a more meaningful work that we definitely want to be a part of, that I want my kids to be a part of, I want your kids to be a part of, that I want the next seasons of the church, whether it's 20 years or 10 years, to be singing songs about how God was faithful in this season for us. He is faithful. Even if you can just find one thing right now, find one thing to celebrate. My mom sent me a, a a friend of hers sent her, I'm sure this is probably traveling through Facebook, and I'm like the last guy. I love when somebody acts like they're reading this brand new thing. And it's probably, like you've probably already all read it. That's fine. This is from Richard Hendrick, a brother Richard in Ireland. This was written on March 13th. Yes, there is fear. Yes, there is isolation. Yes, there is panic buying. Yes, there is sickness. Yes, there is even death. But they say that in Wuhan, Wuhan, after so many years of noise, you can hear the birds again. They say that after just a few weeks of quiet, the sky is no longer thick with fumes, but blue and gray and clear. They say that in the streets of Assisi, people are singing to each other across empty squares, keeping their windows open so that those who are alone may hear the sounds of a family around them. They say that a hotel in the west of Ireland is offering free meals and delivery to the housebound. Today, a young woman I know is busy spreading flyers with her number through the neighborhood so that the elders may have someone to call on. Today, churches, synagogues, mosques, and temples are preparing to welcome and shelter the homeless, the sick, the weary. All over the world, people are slowing down and reflecting. All over the world, people are looking at their neighbors in a new way. All over the world, people are waking up to a new reality, to how big we really are, to how little control we really have to what really matters, to love. So we pray and we remember that yes, there is fear, but there does not have to be hate. Yes, there is isolation, but there does not have to be loneliness. Yes, there is panic buying, but there does not have to be meanness. Yes, there is sickness, but there does not have to be disease of the soul. Yes, there is even death, but there can always be a rebirth of love. Wake to the choices you make as to how to live right now. Today, breathe, listen. Behind the factory noises of your panic, the birds are singing again, the sky is clearing, spring is coming, and we will always, encompassed by love, open the windows of our soul, and though you may not be able to touch across the empty square, sing. And that's Richard Hendrick. So as we move into our week, I'm just gonna pray for you. And Father, I pray as our families are gathered and as we're listening, that you would remind us right now, in this moment, the songs that we can sing, the moments when we didn't see a future, the moments when we felt like there literally was no hope, there's a wall, there's nothing beyond it, we're depressed, we're discouraged, it's all over, and how you somehow broke through that wall and carried us into a season and we were stronger and richer for it, richer in spirit and heart. Help us to sing those songs. Show us how to sing those songs and tell those stories. Help us to love well. God, pause prayer. When Lori, who is the part of our community in our group, shared the story of the nursing homes, every person in that group knew this is now our responsibility. While we cannot go to the nursing homes because they're not allowing people to, we know now that this is now our story. Lori's story is our story. She is the body, we are the body. We are now a part of this. And however we're called to be a part of it, whatever the invitations of the Spirit are, 
we say yes to it. And for some, that will be risky and will take bravery. And for some, it will look like prayer and intercession. And for some, it will look like a written card. And for some, it will look like a phone call. But each of us has an opportunity to step into a darkest valley right now. So when you hear it this week, when you hear from a neighbor a darkest valley, be the song, but be the listener. Slow down and be with them. And in that note, Father, help us to see those signs. Help us to step in. Help us to call on the name of a loving Jesus, a suffering servant, a victorious warrior, a loving father, a shepherd, a host, who's preparing a meal even in the midst of our enemies and threats. So much of a meal that it overflows our cups. Help us to receive this type of Jesus in a union like we've never had before. Let this to be a season of a union we've never had. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.